T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Yadier Molina leads it off. Hits a high fly ball, left field. Back toward the wall is Castellanos, and this is a home run. Unbelievable. On the first pitch by Craig Kimbrell, Yadier Molina ties the game with a home run to left center. And just like that, it's back to even, tied 8-8. Eight to eight. It's easy to guess fastball on him, and uh, the, the key is to not miss it. A lot of guys foul it off. Um, they didn't foul it off. Both of them hit it squarely. Just an absolute brutal gut punch of a loss among many in a very tough year. Good morning, everybody. It's hit and run on 670, the score. Look, here's the thing. As you're watching live, maybe you noticed. I sure did. As you look at the replay, maybe you see it then. Maybe someone has reached you and mentioned this, but I'm going to say something which is, um, which is very, very true in my opinion. That's not that bad a pitch to Yadier Molina. That is about 97, I think it was 97, right at the top of the zone, probably just out of the zone, right there at the top. For Molina to get under that and blast it up in the air, he's a really smart hitter on a day when the wind is blowing out. It's the fact that it was fastball right away. That's your issue. And the same thing to to DeYoung. DeYoung's pitch is a little bit lower and a little bit slower, and it comes right on the heels of the other one. And Lord knows it should have been a knuckle curve low and away or try to spot the curve for a strike. But to just come out and challenge, this is not Craig Kimbrell of several years ago throwing 99 or 101 where you can just blow everybody away. Guys have gotten better off velocity, and your fastball has gotten worse. So... You can't just come out and, 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 and do that. But that's really, wasn't that bad a pitch? Molina got under it because he is terrific. And that was just incredibly brutal and incredibly painful. Hit and run is what you're listening to on 670. The score, the Cubs are three games out of the second wild card. Looking very, very possible that they will miss the playoffs entirely. And my, what a difference from a week ago when I had been sucked in by the season one final time in a game, a season, a year designed to suck you in, daring you to be optimistic. I answered that call last week. (laughs) Uh, And now I sit here and see what is the undeniable truth that they're just not good enough. And you can, you can make the sample as small or as big as you want. Last 21 games, they're 9 and 12. Last 40 games, they're 19 and 21. Last 116 games, they are 57 and 59. They are not good enough. Texts at 6711. From Jim and Lockport. Speaks, thanks for addressing the elephant in the room. Theo hasn't drafted a pitcher that has contributed meaningfully since 2012. 
their best pitcher draft pick is starting for the White Sox right now. So Dylan Cease counts uh, as, as being meaningful. He's part of a Quintana trade. But anyway, I'll continue with Jim. They've drafted 170 pitchers since 2012. Where are they? They're within the system. James Norwood is up. James Norwood doesn't do it for you? It's the only guy. Drafted Cubs pitchers since 2014, says West Loop Tom, have a total of six strikeouts at the MLB level. Yeah. I, I, I gave you the draft history between 2013 and 2017 for the Cubs versus the Cardinals, and it is, it is graphic. It is pornographic if you're a Cardinal fan. It is, uh, it's ugly if you're a Cub fan. Um, a few textures talking about the Verlander trade in August of 2017. Um, they had already made the Quintana trade. So if they hadn't made the Quintana trade and were still sitting on Cease and Jimenez, they get that done and they get Verlander and then hopefully resign him as the Astros did. At that time, could they have gotten Verlander for what they had? They were trying. Remember, they were trying. Verlander wanted to be here. It came down, and there's an Astros book that has come out about them. It, it literally came down to the final moments before the deadline, the August deadline, and Verlander's at dinner with Kate Upton, still saying he wants to be a Cub, still holding out hope that it's going to happen. And instead, it's Houston, which has worked out pretty well. Pretty, pretty well. Texters, baseball is just bizarre, man. Cubs have excellent run differential, a great walk rate. Pythagorean analysis says they should be high 80s with wins. Good year from Darvish. It's just weird, man. It is very weird. But guess what? The run differential can be misleading. They have 21 games where they've scored 10 runs or more. 21. They also have 21 games where they've scored one run or less. 21! They've scored two runs or less, I believe, in 43 games. That all or nothing thing, man. And then a few of these texts at 6711. It's nice to hear passionate fans about the Cubs. You never want to go back to lovable loser status. Be angry, Chicago. You deserve to be in contention every year. This is what you get when you go for it and you win it. Every year, the standard is this. The standard for this winning window should absolutely be this high. So, you know, it's tricky because, look, I want you to enjoy yourself. I hope you enjoyed part of the year. I want you to enjoy what is uh, uh, the glorious six-month companion of the baseball season. I think you can do both. Enjoy the highs and be upset with the lows because you're investing your emotions. I believe that you can do both. The roller coaster was meant to be ridden. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. This is Gerald in Melrose Park on the score. Hello, Gerald. Hey, how's it going? Good. The the decision to to just have Chapman as a as a rental goes way beyond Solaire for Wade Davis. It means that that when Morrow, it also means you have to go get Brad Morrow. Yeah. Okay. If we would have had Chapman for the you know for last year, you don't think that's two or three more wins? There's no game one sixty three. They can also give the guys a couple of days rest during that brutal last month and a half schedule. Guess what? Not dra- not drafting and developing uh, young pitchers of consequence means yep. you have to get Brandon Morrow as well. Rowan Wick is a terrific trade acquisition acquisition and creation from their pitch lab, and he appears to be closer level or closer quality, the best that they have from within. Um, if that if he had shown up and been useful and trusted towards the beginning of the year, they might not have even gone out to spend the Kimbrel money. 
Right, and then you had the guy on there who said that the Cubs lead to lead baseball and blown leads in the ninth. Um, if if we just won games that we had ninth inning leads at the same rate that St. Louis and Milwaukee do, we'd have five more wins and St. Louis would have one more loss. We wouldn't be six games out. We'd be tied. Yeah, you know, if if you want to point to one thing, I think the ninth inning is is very it, it, it is an obvious target. Because they kept giving those chances to Pedro Strope when he was broken. And it was obvious that he was broken. And they kept giving him those chances. And they didn't go get Kimbrell for a long time. <clears throat> they waited until the draft so they wouldn't have to give up the compensation. Same thing Atlanta did about Keuchel, right? So, yeah, you can point there. But there's a lot of things to point to. <clears throat> you can point to the fact that the starting rotation, while very good, was not completely great in the way that you needed it to be as your strength. It, it, it wasn't. Quintana had rough periods. Darvish uh, didn't find this groove until later. Hamels has broken down and now had these rough periods after the being hurt. Lester's had a very up and down year. So, that wasn't there. And then we've talked endlessly about the lineup. So, it just, it, it all... It all adds up. This is Dan in Wabatosa, Wisconsin. Hello, Dan. How are you? Morning. I was happy to hear you compliment Yadier Polita's smarts. Yeah. In the ninth inning there, he, he knew with that jet stream blowing out, he just needed to get the ball up in the air, and Kimbrell gave him the pitch. And then Kimbrell was dumb enough to throw another high fastball. To uh, De Young after that. Well, you know, this is this is the thing is that Kimbrel has lived with that. He's lived with throwing that high four seamer and pairing it with the knuckle curve, and a lot of teams are bad at that. The Cubs among them. We've we've watched the Cubs swing under that stuff, miss that stuff, pop that stuff up. Their very best players have done that. But uh, but these guys knew what was coming. They scouted it, and uh, Molina is one of the smartest guys in baseball. That's for sure. Yeah, well, Kimbrell's just the latest of uh, Theo's blunders. You know, everything peaked after, you know, the Cubs lucked into getting him and Madden, and they had their rebuild and their tanking, and they built their core off of that. And Theo made some good moves, and they worked out. And then uh, Cleveland blew that 3-1 World Series lead, but uh, I think it's all karma that they sold their soul when they traded for that domestic abuser or oldest chap. <laughs> and ever since then, everything's gone the other way. Uh, uh, you know, and, you know, now Joe Madden, I think he's overrated. He hey, has a Dan, good manager, hey, but hey, he's overrated. But hey, hey, Dan, we've talked before. You're a Cardinal fan, right? Sure am. Okay. Um, any any domestic abusers in the history of the Cardinals organization? As as far as you know, any 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 persons who um, who they knew were not exactly the caliber of humans you'd want to hang out with. Who they went ahead and uh, and 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 signed or traded for? None. Maybe, but not as well known as Chapman was. Yeah. Now Theo didn't back up uh, Madden all year, so Madden's going to get all these other office and. Tell Theo to go pound sand. If he wants to, he will. So you're choosing the karmic retribution angle from the Aroldis Chapman acquisition. Um, look, I am as prone to magical thinking as any sports talk show host you will ever find. And I remember a palpable moment. Oh, God. After Chapman gave up the homer to Rajay Davis, 
I remember being there in Cleveland and tweeting, I never liked it. I, from the moment it happened, I didn't want it to happen. And here you go. And it did feel karmically appropriate that Chapman gave up the home run. But then how do you explain the 18-minute rain delay and the, and the Hayward speech and the fact that they won the World Series that came thereafter, Dan? So, you know, you got a lot of, um, a lot of mental gymnastics or karmic gymnastics, I suppose, that you would have to perform to get there. I also got tweeted this morning that uh, Addison Russell coming up on the 8th of May, that was the reason that things have fallen apart karmically, that that was the reason that things have fallen apart. No, I mean, I don't think he's the reason that they're 57 and 59 since May 14th. But I'll say this as we segue back to baseball. Uh, I know this is all baseball, but I'll say this. Um, the baseball decision to keep investing in Addison Russell has been bad. It's been bad. Aside from the human decision to try and help him work on himself as a person to be a better father and a better, uh, you know, a, a better father to his kids and a better human being, and those efforts have been appreciated by his ex, among others. Aside from that, the baseball decision to keep investing in Addison Russell has blown up in their face again and again and again. Been ugly. Thank you for the call, Dan. This is Andy in Kankakee on the score. Hello, Andy. Hello. I'd like to go a little deeper into the uh, Cardinals and Cubs organizations and their approach to building sustained uh, success in their in their teams. Okay, let me like, um, l- let me mention before you do so. If anybody missed it in the first hour, I'll probably hit it again in the noon hour. Some of the details on how the Cardinals have drafted and continue to draft very well, giving them some stars and giving them a lot of real just useful pieces so they don't have to go out and chase depth. They don't have to go out and chase role guys. They don't have to go out and chase certain starters because they draft them consistently. Okay, what I'd like to do is to go back even further and then how it applies to the last four years. If you go back to the 10-year time frame between 2004 and 2013, The Cardinals were in the World Series four times. They won it twice, and they were either in the playoffs or close each of the other years. So that entire 10-year time frame, they were drafting Hmm. either at the bottom or near the bottom. If you look at the Cardinals' World Series roster in 2013, they had 17 players out of the 25 that were drafted and developed by them. And only and only two of them were left over from the 2006 World Series team, Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright. So they turned over their entire team except for two players, now, and 17 now, of them were drafted by the, themselves. Now, Wainwright wasn't drafted by the Cardinals. Wainwright is a trade acquisition from the Atlanta Braves. So He, he, wasn't, he, he wasn't one of the 17. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah, but, but you're but, right. But, I mean, so he, there were 17 players drafted and developed by the Cardinals, not including Wainwright in 2013. Wow. And then if you go into, you know, two more years in 14 and 15, they were again in the playoffs. Uh, They won 100 games in 15 the year the Cubs beat them in the the playoffs. The three years that they didn't make the playoffs, they never lost more than 80 games each year. They're always over 500, and they were in wild card contention until the last week each year. And so my point is, is that while the drafting low for 15 years, now they're still coming back to the top. The key for – 
um, Theo is going to be now that he's been drafting low. It looks like their farm system is real low. You know, they got a good farm system when they're able to draft, you know, first, second, or third for those years when they're tanking. And the, the Card- Cardinals didn't have to have their fans subjected to multiple years of 90 and 100 losses. They still had some hope even while they're rebuilding. So just different approach, and we'll, we'll see how it plays out. In well, uh, th- thank you, Andy. That's great stuff. Uh, yeah, the consistency of what the Cardinals have been able to do since the George Kissel days, and, and we've talked about it. And this is uh, it's what the Twins did for a long time. There are certain organizations who've done that very well. The Dodgers did it very, very well for a long time. And then if it stops or it dries up, um, then you need to reboot it. The Cardinals have done an amazing job, one of the best organizations in sports, at continuing to do it consistently. Theo's job was to establish all of this because it was, it, it was not in a good way. The Cubs org was not in a good way. We, we covered it. We talked about it for that entire five-year period. And really for the decade before that, as we, we all kind of openly begged for something like that. And then they got the right guy and they did it. And it was a success. It's just that when you're setting it all up, it requires, um, it, there's a lot of levels of trying to do it right. And they know what the problem is when they've talked about the reckoning. I think the reckoning is about scouting and drafting. And developing. And that reckoning has begun with the move of Jason McLeod sideways. It's begun with that. You'll see more. You'll see them hire, make a couple of big hires in terms of scouting and development. The name Kyle Body, the guy who started driveline baseball, where a lot of these pitchers have gone. Kyle Body's going to go somewhere. He's going to be given a, a, a massive amount of control. Because many teams want him. So if he wants to go to MLB, somebody's going to give him a lot of control of their entire scouting and development department. I don't know if the Cubs would be willing to give that up. I don't, I don't know if it's worth it to give all of that up for this guy. But, you know, th- there will be hires to address that stuff. That was um, distressing truth from Andy in Kankakee. And we appreciate those, uh, uh, those, those, those kind of listeners, those kind of, that kind of knowledge, that kind of sharing and he didn't even really do it with a ha that we expect from some Cardinals fans. It didn't, didn't come with that. This hour is brought to you by Team Hochberg. Visit their new website at 56david.com. That's 56david.com. More of your phone calls and texts on the state of the National League Central, which is ugly right now. Right here on 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. Bottom of the hour is going to be brought to you by Northwestern Football. Join Northwestern Football at Ryan Field this fall. When the Wildcats, led by Big Ten Coach of the Year, Pat Fitzgerald, host Ohio State, Iowa, Purdue, and Minnesota in Big Ten play. Single-game tickets to see Chicago's Big Ten team are on sale now at nusports.com. Uh, last hour, my guy Chris Kamka mentioned Marcus Simeon. You see Marcus Simeon got on base six times last night? Six times! 
There are some really cool races going on. That American League wild card not getting any publicity because we're all focused on the national. And I get it. I get it. But my God, there's some interesting stuff going on with some very, very good teams. I saw a tweet yesterday where Andy Freed, the play-by-play man for the Tampa Rays, retweeted a picture from April, uh, a still shot of MLB Network when uh, Mark DeRosa was was talking, among others. When will the Red Sox pass the Rays was the, uh, was the topic. When will the Red Sox pass the Tampa Rays? And Andy Freed saved his, his screenshot of that. Because never is the answer. The Red Sox are eliminated. The Rays are eight and a half back of the Yankees. They're not going to win that division. But uh, in terms of uh, of the wild card, Oakland and Tampa and Cleveland all battling for that second wild card. And Minnesota uh, right now looking pretty good in terms of the division. But really, they're... They're four games up on Cleveland. Man, things are just, it's just kooky and fun. In the National League, the Dodgers are your West champ. The Braves are your East champ for the second year in a row. And the wild card, as you know, belongs to the Nationals by one game over the Brewers. The Nationals uh, got six runs late last night in extra innings uh, to win But they're the one team of all of the teams that I mentioned, most of whom are playing well and their records indicate it. The Nationals are the one that has faded a little bit. They're 7-9 and in their last 16 games. So, I mean, the Brewers, I don't, the Brewers might not lose again. They're just not interested in losing in September. They don't, they don't believe it. Uh, They've got Trent Grisham now up here to their first round draft pick. Let's bring that guy up as a September call up and boom, he homered yesterday. They. They just keep winning because that's what they do. Brandon Woodruff is back. Craig Council is 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 a freaking wizard. He pinch hit for Zach Davies after what three innings, four yesterday, and that worked. Everything works for Craig Council. They don't lose. I suspect that the Brewers will end up hosting the wild card game, and the Cubs' best shot might be chasing down the Nationals. But we will see. Texters at six seventy eleven getting to hit and run on the score. Uh, The philosophy of not drafting pitching higher versus position players has come back huge to bite them. Need to start now getting more young arms. Well, most of those position guys, uh, well, not most. I should say, look, Bryant is a a huge hit. Schwarber is a huge hit. Almora at this point is a miss. Ian Happ at this point as a first-round pick, you have to call a miss. He's helpful. But it's not first round pick caliber from 2015 in terms of helping you now at this point in 2019. Nico Horner looks like a hit. He's the first player from the 2018 draft to be an MLB. Here's a text from Craig or Greg in Lincoln Park. Spells it like Greg Nettles. Let's remember that this team was built almost entirely prior to the new baseball. The home run fly ball percentage was under 9.5. In 2014, power was a premium asset that trumped contact skills and it trumped pitching, too. That's absolutely correct. At the time, they were right there on the cutting edge. They were getting something that was undervalued. They found a market inefficiency and said, let's get power. And they stocked up on it. And then they traded some of those things. They traded Glaber's power potential for Chapman. They traded Solaire's power potential for, uh, for Wade Davis. But they also got rid of the contact skills in DJ LeMayhew, and he's ended up adding power because everybody adds power now that the ball has changed. 
Greg continues, the ball changed. Now it's the opposite. The inverse of this happened to their pitching staff. Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot to talk about there, and I've done it at different points during the course of the year. Maybe we'll throw Matt Trueblood on again one more time next week. But the conversation that he and I had when he was a guest co-host about the trends around MLB and how the Cubs were just a little late uh, on on deciding to go all in on certain parts of them, you know? So and and some of that was by choice and some of that might have been by hubris. But they're in now. What they do in their pitch lab is right there with what a lot of other organizations do. And they've had some successes with it. They need more. But this is why they've made the move with McLeod. And while you'll see more hires coming up in the offseason. Texter says, remember the trade deadline when the Cardinals did nothing? Everyone figured they were conceding the season. I do remember that. That was weird. Instead, they started playing really well. 30 and 12 in their last 42 games. That's ridiculous. Right? Is that the number that I had? Hang on, I've got it over here. 30 and 12 in their last 42. With help of uh, their own drafted guys. And the young pitchers finding their groove. Dakota Hudson and the great Jack Flaherty. We'll talk to Mike Farron um, from MLB Radio on Sirius, who also does pre and post for the Diamondbacks, Chicago's own Mike Farron. We'll talk to him in a, in a few minutes. But first, this is David in Winfield. David Winfield? No way. Yeah, uh, I like it, too. I like it, too. I'm retired, but, uh, you know, love the name. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Dave. Go ahead. Uh, Matt, you know what? You're absolutely right with the draft. And but what look at the fundamental difference between the Cubs and the Cardinals over the last eighteen months or so, and you go to Matheny's firing, and I'm not advocating firing Madden, but you look at one of the worst defensive clubs in baseball the Cardinals were, to where they are today, and look at the invert of what's happened with the Cubs defensively, along hmm. with all the base running mistakes. And because I think offensively, there's not a huge difference over the season between the Cubs and the Cardinals. But when you look at the defense, when you look at these base running mistakes, they run themselves out of games and they error themselves out of games. And the Cardinals haven't done that. They have played solid defensive baseball. And I can't stand the damn Cardinals. (laughs) But you've got to give the devil their due. This turnaround since Matheny with that club Hmm. in fundamental baseball has been far better. And look at the Cubs' decline from 16 to 19 in those two categories. And I think that's the big difference between these two. Well, that's good stuff, Dave, because it fits your eye test too, right? Uh, On this year, the Cardinals lead all of baseball in fielding percentage. Cubs are 24th in fielding percentage. So those numbers uh, dovetail with what you're saying as well, I think, for a lot of people, does the eye test. In terms of runners being out on the bases, the Cubs have the most. They've made the most outs on the bases of any team in baseball in the low 60s on the, over the course of the year. So that, that number dovetails with your eye test and with Dave's point as well. It is a lower quality of fundamental baseball that has happened. It's disappointing. It's frustrating. It's why Theo uses words like frustrating. It's why he uses words like underachieving because they have not played clean for the most part. They have not. They, and those things, you know, should be better if you play with urgency, right? If you play with that little bit of mental edge. 
Those things should be better if you're focused just a little bit more than everybody. This is Stan in Bellwood. Stan, you spoke to me a couple weeks ago about how the Nationals were better, and I was saying the Cubs are still the best team in the division, and you urged me to face a reality I did not want to face yet at the time. How are you, Stan? I, I keep telling you, Steve. <laughs> uh, once you've reached uh, early August, mid-August, and you, you've, uh, you've knocked off 100 to 120 games off your schedule, uh, you've pretty much reached your peak then uh in that given season and you're and you are exactly what your record says you are by that time well but 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 teams do make late runs uh you know i mean the cardinals have flipped a switch and played this way since august 9th you know it's like so their their young pitching has really really blossomed and come through for them yes i I wanted to say one thing i I, want to get to you uh about chris bryant but I wanted to uh, mention that uh, I, I hear what you're saying about that American League wild card race. That really is something. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody in that American League wild card race is going to win 95 games and not be in the playoffs. When has that ever happened? Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll I'll have to look ninety five wins and not make the playoffs. I remember I remember Dick Hauser winning a hundred winning. I think it was ninety seven games and getting fired when the Yankees didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, but that's no, a but di- I'm talking about uh, yeah. well, uh, you know, with, with when you've got like five teams yeah. in, in one league in both leagues making the playoffs and you win ninety five games and don't make the playoffs. That's yeah. something. I hear you. Yeah, I don't I don't think it was five games back then when it happened with Dick Hauser. Mm-hmm. But uh, listen, um, the club fans who uh, you know, are yelling for them to get rid of Chris Bryant. I just want to, you know, try to get them to cool their jets a little bit on that because I can't think of one instance. You know, and I'm an old dude. I've been, you know, I've been watching baseball for a long time, but teams who trade their best player when that set player is in his prime, it never works out. You You cannot possibly get commensurate value and you won't win a trade when you're giving away the best player in the trade i've seen it time and time again matt and i don't know you know how far you want to go back here but i've seen tom siever traded and dick allen and reggie jackson frank robinson going all the way back to babe ruth you don't win a trade when you're trading the best player you know and you know your best player and he's in his prime it, it never works out for the team that's that's you know that's trading away the best player. I I don't think the Cubs really need to tear this thing down. They have a terrific core. Uh, they tried to win from the very beginning this year without a bona fide leadoff hitter and a reliable closer, and that came back to bite them. Now I I, I understand that you know uh, Lester and Hamels. Uh, may have outlived their usefulness, and they mm-hmm. have to get that fixed. But they better, you know, go into this off season trying to fix that leadoff man in that closer uh, spot. Well, closer, they've they've paid the money to Kimbrel, so I'll be shocked if he doesn't open next year with the gig. Um, leadoff hitter for sure, and they know it. It's time to admit that they've been wrong about that for a couple of years, and they actually have. 
uh, publicly, Jed at least has. Um, we'll have time in the offseason to talk about this thing, about trading the best player, trading him in his prime. My first thought is Nomar Garcia-Para, but he I was just over and past the prime, just barely when Theo made the trade. Um, so so that that's one that comes to mind, but we'll have time to talk about it. In response to your other question, uh, the best record for an American League team left out of the postseason since 2012 is 90 and 72. That was last year when the Rays were seven games behind the A's in the playoff race. It also happened in 2012. So it, it this is not typical that a team will have this many wins and miss the playoffs. Uh, before the the wild card era in full, you had the White Sox. 2006 White Sox won like what 95, 96 games, missed the playoffs. So. It can happen. All right, we'll come back and talk to Mike Farron from MLB Radio and from uh, the Diamondbacks pre and post next, right here on 670 The Score. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. It is Hit and Run, your venerable, not vulnerable Sunday morning baseball show. And a chance now to talk to Mike Farron. You hear him. On MLB Radio, on the satellites, and you hear him, see him, know him from Arizona Diamondbacks pregame and postgame, and he joins us from very early on the West West Time Zone uh, mornings to talk some baseball here in Chicago. What do you say there, Mike? Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Matt. How are you? Oh, I'm presiding over over a eulogy for this year's Cubs. Oh. And really a, a conversation about the totality of the winning window, how they may or may not have been passed by other organizations, and the most important offseason in the history of everything that upcomes. That, that's where we are here in this town. Well, at least things are going well. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, I, I didn't expect this out of the Cardinals. I have to give them credit no, for all know. the drafting that they just keep doing. And Paul DeYoung, a fourth-rounder, Bader, a third-rounder, Tommy Edmund, a sixth-rounder. They just keep coming up with these guys, don't they, Mike? You know, and, and, and take a look at the guys that they've traded away, too. I mean, I think that's the thing is that they, there are so many guys that have had, like, one bad season that they've moved on from who have gone on to play really well someplace else, you know. Um, you know, Chris Cotty's numbers maybe haven't been great, but that's one, you know, they were, especially through the first half, the Cardinals were fighting for outfield production. So you look at the Scott, Tommy Pham, who, you know, you make the argument is the best player on the Tampa Bay Rays, and that's the team that's going to the playoffs. Um, there's literally six or seven guys across the league that they've traded away that you felt like they could have needed. I'm a little bit surprised that they are where they are. I, I shouldn't say a little bit. I'm a lot surprised they are where they are. Um, I didn't think even at the All-Star break that this was going to be a playoff team. So for them to be you know, leading the Central by three games um, is a little bit of a shock. I mean, they, they've gotten, especially with the, the overall production they received this season from Paul Goldschmidt uh, and Marcelo Zuna, you know, I figured those guys would have to have big years for them to get there, and they really haven't. And Carlos Martinez, who I think you know was probably going into the year their second-best pitcher you know, hmm. in the bullpen, um, you know, after they had they missed most of the first half of the season, and they talked about his. You know, they basically said, "Well, when he gets healthy, we're going to move him to the pen." They said that in spring. I mean, I thought this was a team that was more in disarray than it was a team that was looking to get to the postseason or had a chance to get to the postseason. I thought they'd be in that 83, 84, 85 win range. But um, give them credit; their starting pitching has been really good. Giovanni Gallegos 
has had a star turn season, um, you know, under the radar as one of the top setup men in baseball, and that's helped to lengthen out that pen. And Martinez has done a great job in the ninth, and um, you know they've they've put themselves in a position to win the division for this year. And I think, barring you know the uh, uh, collapse against the Cubs in their final four games against them, and they have three against the Diamondbacks next week, I think they're they're pretty well poised. Think about some of the people you mentioned. I mean, Gallegos they got for Luke Voigt, one of their draft yeah. picks, right? Goldschmidt they got in part for Luke Weaver. He's used as a big part of that, right? And Carson Kelly. And yeah. Carson Kelly. Um, Ozuna, they got for Zach Gallen, among others. You know, I mean, they they continue to use all those guys that they trade, whether they're good here or there. They just they just they just use them, and 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 and, and they get there. Have um have the Cubs been passed by in uh, by by some of the bigger organizations, either in scouting or in development? What is, what is the conversation regarding that on the national level that you hear? Yeah. It, I- it's actually, I think it's one of the reasons why you saw the change with with um, Jason McLeod going to the to the major league roster. I, I mean, I think they have been. I think that they've been pretty open about that too. Is that they feel like they need to modernize. Um, I don't think. I think that there has been. From what this is my understanding of it, is that there has been a lot of time and energy that's been put on the major league roster over the last four years. And it's easy to say, well, you should you should take care of everything, right? Yeah, absolutely. You should take care of everything, but there's a finite number of hours in the day, even for a big and well-run organization and one with resources. And most of it has been dedicated towards finding a way to continue to keep this competitive window open and run at, at, at championships. And I think that there has been a little bit of a lack in um, you know, in player development, there's been a little bit of a lack in, in scouting. I think that there, those things have started to, to fall by the wayside a little bit, and I think that's one of the reasons why they're going to try and make changes in terms of, of bringing in either one or multiple people to oversee those departments in an effort to, to modernize. I mean, there's some things that they've done that are pretty forward-thinking. You know, the, I think Sahada Sharma wrote a great story this week about the pitch lab that they built, and they're not alone in doing that. I think the Cardinals are in the process of trying to build one. Um, the Diamondbacks are trying to get one built. There's a number of organizations that are trying to do this where they basically are creating, um, you know, technological centers where players can help design, you know, basically design their swing or design their pitch based on, on you know, uh, Either, either technology, you know, to, like radar technology and high speed cameras and all this. So I do think that they're a little bit behind in the times in that. Um, and I do think that it's something that's going to be addressed. But let's not forget that they have, you know, the vast majority of their core of players were brought homegrown. And you can try and dismiss while well, they were high picks, but yeah, they still hit on those. Remember the Astros passed on Chris Bryant. You know, yeah. Chris Bryant's been pretty damn good, you know. Schwarber's got, what, 37 bombs. Now, have all those guys gotten better at the major league level, too? I don't know that you can say that they've necessarily all mm. gotten better. Uh, you know, maybe with the exception of Baez, and I get that he was a holdover. But, like, there there are some things that they absolutely need to address going forward. But I also don't think, like, you set the conversation up talking about the Cardinals and all the things talk, the Cardinals have done right. If we had had this conversation four months ago, we would have been talking about all the things the Cardinals have done wrong, <laughs> including the ton of the money that they spent in free agency on guys like Brett Cecil that have not worked out. Remember, Andrew Miller really has only pitched well for about the last six to eight weeks, mm-hmm. you know, or pitched really well in that stretch. And so, like, there's a lot of things that they have made in terms of decisions that 
haven't gone well. Hell, they, they traded in the Ozuna deal. They ended up trading away a guy in Zach Gallen, who's now on his third organization, who might be a really good major league starter. Like, you have to give up talent to get talent. I get that. But, like, there's a lot of things that the Cardinals have done that, you know, again, if we'd had this conversation four months ago at the All-Star break, we'd be talking about how the Cardinals are looking to reorganize things as opposed to looking at the Cubs that way. Yeah, absolutely. How about the deadline? The Cardinals did nothing. And we were all like, well, I guess they're, yeah. they're conceding. And then they're 30, they're 32 and 10 since, uh, or 30 and 12, I should say, since the 9th of August. Mike Farron um, from MLB Network Radio and the D-backs pre and post uh, joins us here on Hit and Run for a final couple of minutes. All right, here we go. This is the real deal. The Atlantic League is one thing. The Arizona Fall League is yeah. another. The Robots are here, and <laughs> and I, for one, welcome their invasion. Uh, Mike, this are, are you going to get over there and check this out? This is very already interesting. Did. You already did. Well, yeah. What, what, yeah, what, are, what are your thoughts? Wednesday night. Yeah. Um, so it it's the the most noticeable thing about it is that there's a like a beat delay before the umpire calls the pitch. Um, hmm. But it's consistent. I mean, it's. If it's a strike on the edge, it's a strike on the edge. And I think that that's what, what, what I saw was what I think when Will Bohr wrote the story yesterday for MLB.com was pretty consistent with what the players have said is that most of the beefs are up and down and not east-west. I think that's the corners right really well. The ones that are up and down, you know, if there's a pitch that just nicks the bottom of the zone and the catcher catches it just above the plate, that's a strike. You know, if there's a pitch that's at the absolute top of the zone, which is higher than what tends to be called a, a lot of the time, um, that's a strike. And it just has to clip a little bit of it. So um, I do think that there might have to be some adjustments overall to the strike zone for it to work. But I do think that it is something that is, I mean, it, it's it's coming. I think it's coming. And, you know, we're going to Implement technology. There's never any issues with it, so I, I'm assuming it'll just smooth. <laughs> not going to be any problems whatsoever. Uh-huh. So I wouldn't, wouldn't worry about it. But no, I mean it's it's not really noticeable. Like there weren't people that know. I was sitting with scouts on Wednesday night, and I knew that they were testing it. I didn't know that they were running it in game. And then when they started doing it, I said, I think they're using ABS. And there are a couple of guys looked around and they were like, Really? They're using automatic ball strike? And I was like, Yeah. And then it took about three minutes for somebody to walk on a borderline pitch on it. And he goes, gosh, what are they using? A matchbook strike zone? So the complaints already started right away. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> but that initial adjustment period, if it then settles into normalcy, we won't know what to do with ourselves. Right. Yeah. Well, 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 like, here's the thing. It's like, this is my favorite part of baseball, right? We hear all the complaints. Like, these are things that are going to change, right? So, Players for years have always told, just make it consistent, just make it consistent, just make it consistent. Yeah. And now players are going to complain that it's going to be consistent. Right? <laughs> you, you heard for the last decade, scouts talking about, oh, this guy, you know, like all this framing stuff, you know, like this guy's not a good receiver. He's not this, this, this. Yeah. And now you're hearing, well, the art of framing is going to go away with it. It's like, stop. Like, you, you like if we're going to move things forward, you can't complain just to complain. I'm sorry. Like, get, get off my lawn. Yeah. I'm not getting off yours. <laughs> I, 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 for one, welcome uh, the times when I don't look down to see who the home plate umpire is and then try to remember whether his strike zone is high, wide, or, you know, I, I welcome that loss of individuality. Uh, thank you, Mike Farron. A pleasure. Thanks for waking up. No problem, man. Take right. care. You got it. That's Mike Farron from MLB Network Radio. It is me, Matt Spiegel, here with you on Hit and Run for another hour and 40 minutes or so. Bernie Williams, the... Um, 
the wonderful, wonderful Yankee center fielder and terrific guitar player will join us uh, in the early part of the next hour as we roll on on 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.